welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We are grateful to have you join us today. We are beginning a new series for the next two months, all about teens. On this episode, April will be joined by our counselor, Haley Hass, to discuss teenage depression, self-harm, and suicide prevention. Thank you for being a part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, for our podcast. We know you have a choice. There are so many podcasts out there. So we are so grateful that you have elected to spend this time with us today. It is March and we are kicking off a new series. We've listened to you and understand that you are wanting to get information about issues related to teens. Uh, I have two teens myself. And so this whole series that we're going to be doing through the month of March and April is personal to me, not just as a therapist, but as a mom. So I know that Um, The speakers that we have lined up for you will um, definitely have some information that you are interested in as gifted um, therapists as they are. We are welcoming Haley Hast with us uh, today. And uh, Haley, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Haley is one of our therapists. She is located at our North Indy office. Won't mean anything to those of you out of state. Uh, But for those of you in Indianapolis, she's at our North Indy office and ready and able to um, serve you. Today's topic is all about teens that have depression, self-injury, cutting, or um, have suicidal ideations or thoughts of suicide. So Haley, this is uh, a big topic that we're jumping into, and it's not necessarily a fun one, but I know that it's a super important one, knowing that suicide especially is the second leading cause of death for teens. So um, I don't know if y'all just heard that, but um, this topic is so important. We want your teens to live and not just live, but to thrive. So we're spending today talking about this serious topic. So Haley, why don't we just begin with talking about um, what is depression and how might depression for teenagers look different than depression in adults. Yeah, um, surprisingly, depression does look different with teens, which we don't think a lot about. Um, We typically think of depression as, you know, staying in bed, being really fatigued, lack of motivation, lack of energy, um, and really struggling to get things done is kind of how we typically think about it. But with teenagers, you can see like irritability, angry outburst. You can also see the fatigue and not struggling to get out of bed. Um, but there are some teens that are really good at what we call masking. So they kind of put on a face and they can still achieve things. You wouldn't expect anything to be wrong, but deep inside that they have, they're struggling with that depression. That is probably one of the, um, one of the points that I notice each time that we get a report of a teenager who has died by suicide. Uh, and we read, you know, obituaries or talk to friends Mm -hmm. or loved ones who have lost, Um, that person that's so special to them. And a lot of times that mask is what people will focus on. He or she seems so happy. Mm -hmm. Um, They were the life of the party. They were the straight A student. It's not always what people think of when they think of depression, which is the sad, withdrawn, isolated teen. So just because someone's wearing that smile doesn't mean there isn't something deeper um, happening with them, right? Mm -hmm. 
And as parents, I think our gut tells us something isn't yeah. right with our teens. Um, how would you, what would you say to, to parents who are listening when they say, yeah, I see some of those, but how do I know if it's just my teen being a teen, quote, mm-hmm. you know, um, moody, sort of mood swings. Um, you know, there is a, there is a, there's the reality of what's happening biologically with teenagers. Um, their brains are developing, their hormones are changing. Yep. So there is some of that to be expected. And it doesn't mean that a, a teenager has depression or anxiety for that matter. But how would you tell, what would you say to a parent trying to distinguish between, is this something I need to be concerned about versus this is just my teen being a teen going through quote, the normal teen years? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I would have them do is honestly just ask the questions. Go to them and say, hey, I'm, you know, I've noticed this with you. I'm really worried. You seem to be a little bit more isolated, not hanging out with your friends as much as usual. You, is there something going on? Is there, are you just, is it just you being more tired because you had late nights lately studying or, you know, did you have an argument with your friends? Like kind of just seeking to understand and giving them some options to help them not feel like they're being attacked because we don't want that because then teens will shut down, right? Right. So, but asking and being like, hey, I'm just really worried about you and I just want to check in with you and see where you're at. Um, I love that spirit of that humility um, because it's easy as a parent to come in hard on our kids, you know, like get up, it's time to go or um, this, this is part of real life. You've got to get through it. The things that we were told as mm-hmm. teens ourselves, you know, just to sort of put our head to, heads down and get, get through whatever it is that the day has brought us. So you're, you're um, speaking with humility and I'm also hearing curiosity, mm-hmm. um, just really asking some thoughtful questions about what's happening with you and um, are you doing okay? And tell me how how your friendships are and um, how you are. Now, I can almost hear it because I have a teenage girl and a teenage uh, Mm -hmm. boy. So um, they respond very differently to the question, how are you really, right? And so um, it may not be the kind of conversations that teens Mm -hmm. would naturally open up to their parents. So that's why it's important to not just be curious and ask the question, but also watch Mm -hmm. for the behaviors. How how would a parent know when it's time to reach out? I think if you see any changes in your be- the kid's behavior, even if it's a slight change, I'm always for checking in. Like I want mm-hmm. my kids, now I don't have teens yet, mm-hmm. but I've worked with a lot of teens. And so I would want as a parent to go and check in, even if there's like a slight change, because I feel like God gives you that intuition to know, hey, something's off. Right. And so if you're already in the habit of checking in with them, about things, it'll be easier to check in when you see a bigger difference where you're like, oh, are they really, are they struggling with depression? Or is this something that, hey, we need to go get help? Or is this just, oh, we had a bad day at school and it's just lingering for a couple of days? Um, I think as long as we seek to understand and we see, have that curiosity and we're not coming at it as judgmental or saying you need to change something mm-hmm. or your behavior is not okay. Like I see something different. Like you need to go back to yourself. Cause sometimes I feel like we can come across that way, even though that's not our intention. Mm-hmm. So we just have to really make sure that we're coming in in a way that's like, Hey, I just want to check in on you. Like I, I see that you're struggling. I don't know why, but I want you to know that I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you're not ready to talk, that's okay, but I'm here. And I've noticed this change in you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like teens really appreciate that now. Also, disclaimer like some teens will lash out with that Mm -hmm. anger because they're like get away from me or whatever um so just know not to take that personally that's just them 
with a lot of emotion trying to figure out how to respond. Mm -hmm. And so then you just take the time to say, well, I'm here. If you need me, I see that you're struggling. And if you want something and then kind of back off a little bit and check in Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is so good. Um, Noticing. So being attuned to them and also asking the question. Um, That's really what it comes to and and trusting our gut, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If if parents were listening, saying, I don't know, is this more, you, you probably already know in your mm-hmm. gut. And there's no harm in reaching out and saying, you know, um, even here, just calling and saying, can I just do a check in and, and tell you, um, tell a therapist here, you know, what it is that they're seeing. And is that something that they should be concerned about? And if they, um, they should be what, what's the best next step? So I, I will never forget, it was a f- several years ago, uh, I had a teenager um, that I was seeing here, and she said to me, I wish my parents would listen to hear me and not to mm-hmm. respond. Um, and so what's important for parents to know is when we ask the question, to listen for the answer um, and to listen to hear, right, to understand yep. what it feels like to be them versus, okay, now I'm going to have an answer, or I'm going to have advice, or mm-hmm. I'm going to give them a great sermon about if they would just do these three things, they would feel better. Sometimes it's listening with curiosity, listening to hear, listening to understand, not to react mm-hmm. um, to them. And I think if you want to respond, because we naturally as humans want to respond, and as parents, we naturally want to fix the situation because mm-hmm. we don't want our kids to be hurting. I think the best step that you could take is to summarize what they're saying. Mm, nice. Like take what they're saying, put it in your own words, and share it back and say, hey, let me make sure that I heard you correctly. Mm-hmm. That way you have some action step and feel like you're doing something because that's telling the teen, hey, I truly listen to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you can always ask them, hey, what do you think that you need? Mm-hmm. How would you like to continue? Yeah. Right. Get their opinion first because they are in this limbo of wanting to learning to be an adult, but still a kid. Right. So if we can give them kind of that responsibility of saying, do you would you like to reach out for help? Mm -hmm. Some of the time they might say yes. Obviously, as a parent, you have to use your discretion, right? Right. Because they're not an adult. But if we can give them some of that to be like, hey, we're truly listening and I want to do what's best for you Mm -hmm. and giving them kind of that voice to advocate for themselves. We're also teaching them a life skill that they may need down the road. Yeah. We hear parents say this a lot. You know, I I wish that my teen would come in and I'm not sure how to, you know, get them to, in quotation, um, come in. And sometimes letting teens know, um, I want to give you a safe space that you can share anything uh, and what is shared stays in those four walls and Mm -hmm. isn't shared with others. Um, There's no fear of, you know, when you're sharing with your friends, what they're going to put out on social or if they're going to be friends with you, uh, you know, a month later, if they're going to hold it against you. A therapist is a safe space to be able to share whatever's on their heart and mind um, and it can stay confidential without fear of retribution uh, later, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, safety is a separate issue, but um, just giving them that space and never ever using therapy as a weapon or a punishment, um, any sort of discipline, well, you're going to have to go see your therapist, or Mm -hmm. now you're going to see your therapist, that's not ever going to get the results that you want as a parent using therapy as discipline, right? Mm -hmm. So it's actually... Uh, a way to self-care right and so therapy is a way for parents to show that they care not as a place that um, should be used as a weapon 
Mm-hmm. Important, important. So I love that you're sharing this. The reason why we put um, this topic together, depression, cutting, um, or self-harm, and suicide is because we know the leading cause mm-hmm. of suicide is untreated depression. But there's this step in between um, suicidal ideation and depression that parents often think goes in the middle, which isn't always the case. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to to have a, a short discussion about this topic of self-harm, um, cutting, burning. Um, we see all kinds of different types of self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times we think of the term cutting because it's so common. Uh, so many teens do cut now. Um, but I want to make the distinction between cutting because someone feels suicidal and cutting for other reasons. So walk us through... Um, why you see teens cut or self-harm separate from suicidal ideation. Yeah. So my favorite definition of self-harm is an attempt to interrupt strong emotions and pressures that seem impossible to tolerate. So we know teens are going through a lot just with the changing of hormones and the changing of their mind and their brain is going through this full development. And so emotion regulation is another step that it gets really hard as a teen Mm -hmm. because those emotions are really high and you've got all these different pressures from school and kids and, you know, parents sometimes like they might feel pressure from their parents to mm-hmm. accomplish certain things which is not necessarily a bad thing but it just kind of adds and so they have all of these emotions and so it's so overwhelming to them that they just want a release of emotion mm-hmm. and so they think by cutting or burning or hurting themselves that does give them temporarily a relief because now they're feeling pain mm-hmm. so it changes their brain to go okay I had all these emotions that are so overwhelming that I can't even comprehend to I'm feeling pain and so it's like a distraction. Yeah, a distraction mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and we know biologically that when our bodies experience pain, it our, our bodies want to heal. So yep. our bodies will release endorphins, which are mm-hmm. the, you know, sort of feel-good, powerful yep. uh, hormones that we have. And so biologically, you know, someone cuts or hurts themselves, it can release endorphins that for a moment bring relief. And so it can be addictive in nature. Uh, we have teens that we see that are addicted to self-harm because mm-hmm. they want that rush of feeling better for a moment. Yep. Um, and I know some other teens have told me, you know, they, they cut um, or they self-harm because they want to be the one in charge of their pain. Yep. So if I'm going to feel it, I'm going to feel it when I choose to feel it versus mm-hmm. just when someone else. So it's a it's sort of an element of I want to be able to control something in my environment. Yep. And if pain is going to be part of that. I'm going to be the one in charge of when I feel some of that pain. And so feeling better um, is one one reason and being in control, right, is another mm-hmm. reason. And so naturally, as adults hearing this, our natural response is let's teach them other ways to feel better and other ways they can have a sense of being in control, right? Mm-hmm. So what have you found to be helpful um, to parents or when working with teens to help them with this so that they don't cut or self-harm? So when I'm working with a teen specifically, I'm working on different coping skills that can also bring kind of that mm-hmm. release of that emotion, right? Um, so I some teens, it works really well to do like a physical activity, mm-hmm. right? Getting them to do something that can cause them to have all of this come out. Like that could be like push-ups. Some teens are very athletic, so that's what they like to do. Mm-hmm. Not me. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, but, um, or they could go for a run. 
something where they can feel the wind on their face and they can kind of just, they can sprint as they can control that, right? They can go as fast or as slow. They can push themselves as far as they want. So we're giving them that control mm-hmm. of how hard that they, they run, but we're also giving them a more healthy way to release those emotions mm-hmm. and to get it out. Um, I've had other teens where I am like, you can scream, go outside and scream, go scream in a pillow, mm-hmm. like get it out. Right. Um, and if you're afraid of people hearing, maybe don't scream, but maybe take the pillow and let's hit the bed. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't seem like we're like, Oh, why are you hitting the bed? Like that can kind of scare parents sometimes, but really we're releasing our bodies, releasing those emotions. Mm-hmm. And for teens, it's hard for them to sometimes take what they're feeling and release it, which mm-hmm. is can lead to cutting or to burning or any kind of self harm. And so we're going to teach them a new way that's not destructive to anything or to themselves. Mm-hmm. So really just replacing the coping skill is important with teens. For parents, I think we have to be careful and not be shaming. So not saying stuff like, you should know better than to do this. Why are you doing this to yourself? I don't understand, mm. right? We don't want to have that lingo with our teens. We want to be more understanding and curious and be like, how can I best support you, mm-hmm. right? Now we're giving them some control of saying, how can I support you as your mom? Mm-hmm. How can I support you as your dad? What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And I think the more control that we can give them over their lives, kind of like you do with toddlers, right? We To help with the tantrums, we go, do you want the blue cup or the green cup? Mm-hmm. We give them simple choices. With mm-hmm. teens, we can give more complex choices. And so allowing, which kind of sounds scary because you're like, oh, no, I need to control all this stuff because my teen's struggling. We really need to let them have more control because they may be feeling like they don't have any. Mm. And so then now they're bottling all these emotions and have no way to release it. Mm-hmm. So if we loosen up the control a little bit, we can learn new ways to support them that works best for them mm-hmm. and then allow them to learn new coping skills to change the behavior. Right, right. This is all so good. Um, so good. Uh, and obviously moving into this area of suicide, mm-hmm. um, these thoughts of suicide. And I want to just walk into this um, really gently because I know that this is a topic that hits a lot of different places for parents who might be listening and there can be so much shame uh, involved in this in this conversation and so it's important for parents to know that we're giving this as a resource Mm -hmm. to this is information this is a starting point Um, and so let's just begin with some myths, I think, related to, um, suicide for teens, especially a lot of times, um, people believe that, um, my teenager would, you know, first of all, the first mom, my teen would never do that. Their life is, they have all of these things. And so it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a myth as much as it is being uneducated. And so we'll, we'll walk through some of Um, maybe some of the risk factors associated with suicide, but let's go through a few of these, these myths. Um, The first one that I hear often is that confronting a person about suicide will make them angry and increase their risk of suicide. Talk about why that's a myth. It's a myth because when a teen or a person comes is saying something either indirectly or directly, right? So they can be direct in the sense of I want to die Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more clear cut to us Mm -hmm. or they could be indirect and say, I just want to sleep for a long time and just not wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're asking for help. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's almost like testing the waters for them to see, like, can I get help? Like, I'm struggling with this and I don't know what to do. And this is where I feel like I need to go, but I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's a myth. Like if you ask the question, then you are 
reaching out your hand and saying, I'm here, right? I'm here for this help. Like I will walk with you. I'll be alongside with you. I will help carry you when you need it. And I'll be your biggest supporter. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they know that you see how, how, Mm -hmm. um, how much of despair they might be feeling. Um, here's another myth that people, um, who talk about it won't do it. Parents that are like, my teenager threatens it three times a week. So, you know, this is old news. Um, what do you say about that? Because that really is a myth. Yeah. I would say if that your teen is saying it, even if you think it's out of anger, because like we said earlier, like even with depression that can, you know, sometimes lead mm-hmm. to someone wanting to end their life, um, can be those angry outbursts that I would take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone says that it's to be taken seriously because they are thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's their way of reaching out for help, yeah. even if it's in anger, which kind of confuses us because we have to remember anger is the tip of the iceberg. There's mm-hmm. all these other feelings below it. Yep. Absolutely. Um, another myth that we often hear is that um, teens will tell their friends um, and their friend, this is the myth, will access help for them. Yeah. So the myth is, well, the, if they're telling somebody, whoever they tell, especially if it's a friend of theirs, that friend will, will go and get help. And we know that not to be the case. Yeah. It's, I think it's really hard for a friend, especially if it's another teen to know what to do, mm-hmm. right? Because they have their own things that they're going on and their yep. brain's not fully developed. So we can't expect them to handle adult things. Mm-hmm. And so when a friend, if that teen decides to reach out to their friend and say something, like the, they are not going to know what to do with that. And they don't want to make their friend mad mm-hmm. and they don't want to like tell on their friend and their friend may say something like, don't tell, don't tell anybody. Like no one can know, no one will understand. I can only tell you. Mm-hmm. And so then that puts this fear of them like, oh, if I reach out, like she's going to hate me and not be my friend anymore. Yep. And so for a teen, that's something that's important to them is to keep their friends. Mm-hmm. And so the likelihood of a friend saying something, unfor- unfortunately, is right. not very often. Right. So if you're a parent of a teen who isn't struggling, but you know one of their friends is, to have that conversation with your mm-hmm. teen that says, you know, if you ever, and to go through some of the signs um, that might show, and we can talk about some of those signs, so that the teen can let, so they can let you know, and that mm-hmm. you can uh, seek help. And And we've had people call us that are like, I didn't know. And the friend called me. And so now I want to get my child in. And Mm -hmm. so um, it's so brave. And that's really the mark of a good friend saying, I know you're going to get mad, but I want you to be alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm going to take the risk and, and share this. So to educate our teens to reach out for help, if it's not them struggling, but it's their friend who is struggling, it's just as important to reach out for help. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of these uh, signs uh, related to suicide. How would you know if your child might be suicidal? Yeah, so some, what I would say, some risk factors that are more like immediate risk factors mm-hmm. would be like they're talking or joking or even posting about dying. Mm. Um, sometimes kids will post about it nowadays mm-hmm. and they'll do it as a like more in quotation of a joke, but they're mm-hmm. not meaning it as a joke. So looking out for that. Um, if they have any disorganized behavior, you know, like they're they're acting really odd, they're kind of being a little bit more secretive, mm-hmm. trying and, you know, they might be gathering things or like mm-hmm. asking to write for letters and stuff like that. That's something to look out for. 
if you see any like extreme sadness, anger, or that irritability, Mm -hmm. that we can see that is not their norm, right? So we know teenagers have anger and sadness and irritability because they're changing Mm -hmm. a lot. But if it's more outside of their normal, then that's when we want to be on alert. Um, Any kind of feelings of that they're being a burden or that they just can't do anything right, Mm. you know, that they're maybe they're struggling a little bit with perfectionism, Mm -hmm. right? Which I know we'll be talking about later in the month, but maybe they're struggling with some of that stuff. And that's something to be like, okay, well, maybe I need to check in with my kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, those are, I would say, are the main ones. Or if you see them seeking to try to self-harm, like they're trying to gather certain items. Mm. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned a couple things here and I kind of wanted to um, separate them out. The, a common formula that um, every time that, you know, I do a suicide prevention training, whether mm-hmm. it's for teens specifically or adults or with law enforcement, law enforcement or wherever at schools or churches, I talk about this, the formula um, for Um, suicidal ideation so people don't wake up or they're not born thinking I'm going to die someday by suicide but there Mm -hmm. are things that happen along the way that make someone more prone having suicide in the family or suicide attempts in the family um, having uh, mental health that's uh, mental illness that's not treated having some sort of a crisis in in their lives um, really, these are all things that kind of walk somebody toward the path of whether or not suicide might be an option. But the formula that we see often is that they feel like they're a burden. And I heard mm-hmm. you say that. Um, I just am a burden to other people. I'm tired of asking for help. I need so much help. This is bigger than me. So burdensomeness is one. The second one is feeling alone. Yep. So I'm in this by myself. Nobody understands me, which I heard you mm-hmm. sort of alluding to that, you know, um, I, so I'm a burden to people. I'm all alone in this. No one really understands my struggle. And the third is it will never change. So hopelessness. So if someone feels like they're a burden, feels like this is never going to change and feels like this is only me and I'm in it by myself. If those are the three common elements for people who walk the path towards suicide often. Mm -hmm. So if you hear your teen saying, I'm so much of a burden or or acting as though they are a burden. They don't want to be a burden. If if they're saying things that feel or lend itself to believe that they feel hopeless or that they're all alone and nobody understands, those are comments that they often make, pay close mm-hmm. attention because those are the, the formula. The beauty of that is that tells us what yeah. we can do, the antidote, right? Which is to let them know as a parent, it's it's an honor and a privilege to walk a journey of life with our kids, our teens, whether or not they're struggling, it makes no difference. Just mm-hmm. walking through that they are never a burden um, to us, right? So letting our teens know that we are privileged and honored to walk the journey of life with them, letting them know that nothing is forever in a positive way too, mm-hmm. that we can get through this and using the terms we, 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 so that they also yes. know you're not alone. I'm walking this with you. Like you said, mm-hmm. I'm reaching my hand out. That's what I heard you say. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm reaching my hand out. Tell me, tell me what I can, can do to help. So I love that you touched on this in the description of some of the, the factors um, that you called risk factors. In terms of cues to, to look for, you, you mentioned verbal cues. So some yep. of the things that they say, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to be here. I want to go to sleep and not wake up. 
I wish I were dead. They can say it directly or indirectly, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, behaviorally, you listed some of those. Um, stockpiling of pills or getting mm-hmm. a gun, looking for a gun, past attempts, um, being impulsive, taking risk, um, some of those self-destructive yep. tendencies that you mentioned. And I love that you mentioned perfectionism because it's something that a lot of parents don't often see. Talk a little bit about why perfectionism would be considered a sign to actually look for. Yeah, it goes back to what I said um, earlier when it comes to like teens masking, mm-hmm. right? We naturally, for whatever reason, choose to mask because it's sometimes easier than being vulnerable with others, mm-hmm. right? Because we're afraid. And so teens do the same thing as we, like us adults. Mm-hmm. And so perfectionism is kind of a form of masking because mm-hmm. they're trying so hard to be so perfect so that they are viewed in the way that they want to be seen Mm -hmm. right they want to be seen that they can accomplish things and they want to be seen that you know that they're valuable and worthy and are important Mm -hmm. and so being having that perfectionism is their way of trying to gain that control to show people that they are worthy right and so that they can be seen and so that's a form of them masking what's truly going on inside Mm. and so it can be a warning sign Mm -hmm. um for potentially having those suicidal ideations so we kind of want to make sure that we're checking on our kids that look like everything is going great that they are doing fine Mm -hmm. and kids who don't have the verbal capacity to say this is what's happening on the inside of me that's when you're going to see it behaviorally right yep Um, so to pay attention to not just what they're saying but to to how they're behaving I know that this um, topic we could we could talk about depression the whole time we could talk about self-harm the whole time we can also talk about um, suicide, mm-hmm. suicide prevention the whole time. These could be three separate c- complete podcasts, right? And so I know we're just kind of barely touching on really just to give that basic information mm-hmm. to our listeners to say these are some things to look for. There is more to this, but this yeah. is sort of like the overview for parents um, to pay attention to. What are some things that parents can do um, if they suspect or they see? Yeah. So if they're Christian, I would Mm -hmm. say first thing is to pray, right? Mm -hmm. We want to pray and give God that and say, here, help me and direct me to the way that I need to go. And then I would tell parents to also just seek and have those conversations with their kids, right? And if they feel like they, it's an emergency, like they are saying, hey, I plan on doing this now, like I'm going to kill myself, then they need to go to the ER or to the closest behavioral health, um, mental behavioral health. Um, facility to be evaluated and let Mm -hmm. the professionals be able to like assess for that and Mm -hmm. give them the care that they need and then I would also like talk to their teen about getting help talking to a therapist seeing how they feel about that and saying this is you know this is how we take care of ourselves just like going to the regular doctor Mm -hmm. and I want you to work have that help and support that you need with your mental health outside of just me because I'm always going to be your support but I also feel like we need to have a bigger team of support Mm -hmm. so you're not so you know you're not alone Absolutely. And then I would make sure that if your teen says something indirectly or directly, that you take every threat seriously. Yeah. So we don't go, oh, they're just saying that out of anger. No, we need to take that mm. as if they are really meaning it. Mm-hmm. Um, also be a good listener. Summarize what they're saying. Tell them, ask those open-ended questions to get more information you know, show them that you are there with them and say, we can get through this. How would you like the help giving them kind of that control back? Mm. And then 
don't keep secrets. So if you're a friend, Mm -hmm. this is important. Like don't keep secrets. Yeah. If your friend is telling you, Hey, I want to die. Like, I just can't do this anymore. This is too hard. No one understands. Go tell someone, Mm -hmm. tell the next adult, whether that's a teacher, a parent, any adult that can get them the help that they need, because you, that is a burden that you can't carry. Mm -hmm. Right. And then don't leave them alone. So if they're saying that I don't want to die, like I want to die and I, I can't do this anymore. We don't want to leave them. Right. We want to show that we're there. And so we want to make sure that if you're a friend, you stay there until an adult comes. Or have them walk with you to an adult. Mm -hmm. Say they're saying this at school. Have them go to the guidance counselor. Go to your teacher. Go to the principal. Mm -hmm. Right? Walk with them. Don't leave them alone. Nice. Um, And then if you're an adult, obviously you need to transport them to help. Don't let them transport themselves if they're able to drive. Those are great tips. And um, one of the things that we often say in um, suicide prevention training is to use the wall of resistance. And these are things that might prevent them from actually taking action. And that would be to see the the therapist um, to make sure they warn to to um, work on maintaining and strengthening their health, not just their mental health, but their physical health, because mm-hmm. someone who's not physically healthy aren't going to be thinking clearly, right? Yep. Um, it's all connected to give them a sense of hope to remove any access to means um, and um, really to just reach out and to connect with them. So to let them know they're not alone, to let them know you're going to walk through that with them. This is so good. Do you have any resources that you would like to share with parents? So my favorite resource specifically for teens for them to read is um, Your New Playlist by John Acuff. Nice. Yeah, that one is really yes. good. And I feel like he really, he had his teens help him write that book. And so mm-hmm. they can easily relate with it. Um, he does have an adult version. Mm-hmm. That's the soundtracks that I say yeah. is great for adults too, because then they can work like parents can work alongside working mm-hmm. through that because sometimes we have the same struggles that our kids do, um, which makes it more painful. And then there is a specific teen texting crisis line that you can go to, which is 741741, where they can text and call 24-7. It's like open the entire time. And so if you feel like your teen is suicidal or is needing extra help, they can text and have that private conversation with them. And can also, they can help direct you mm-hmm. on what you need to do from that moment on. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, if you're listening and you've and you've stayed with us this whole time, I want to encourage you. This is the beginning of the conversation. Um, this isn't all of the information. So please reach out to us. Um, look on our, our website in the resource page. Um, we have some more resources there as, as well. If you are saying, yeah, I think my teen might need help or my teen's friend uh, might need help. And I'm not sure. Um, Haley is definitely available to talk about this more. Mm -hmm. We have other therapists as well who can talk about this topic, whether it's depression or self-harm or suicide. So I want to encourage you to reach out to us. It's really why we are here is to give you resources to begin the conversation and really to promote that change that we all want um, because we really do want our teens to be healthy um, and to and to thrive in life and with whatever life throws at them. So thank you, Haley, um, for being with us again. Thank Always you. a pleasure to have you. Um, we have other podcasts that Haley is in. So if you would like to listen to those, um, do a little podcast search and look for Haley's photo. Um, you'll see that this week. 
as well on our social media. Next week, we'll be continuing our series on teen mental health, and we'll be talking about teens and social media and how to know when that's become an addiction. So another big relevant topic for us as parents. So again, thank you for joining us. We are glad to offer you practical solutions for positive change, and we'll see you back here next week. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in today's episode. You can follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. If you have any questions from this episode or would like to hear more, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at caretochange.org. We hope you found this episode helpful and invite you to join us for more of our podcast conversations.